Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. You're listening to the Sham Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. When you went car shopping, you meant business. You aced vehicle history searches and test drives. Now you've got your wheels. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Think you could easily get to your family if a disaster struck right now? Think you can wing it during an emergency because you're a New Yorker? Most parents don't realize that protecting your family starts long before an actual disaster strikes. It starts today by being prepared and making a plan. To learn how, take our readiness challenge at nyc.gov slash readynewyork or call 311 for information. In this online tool, you'll be faced with real-life challenges, teaching you the importance of being prepared for a disaster. Brought to you by the New York City Office of Emergency Management and the Ad Council. Suffering. Why does God allow it? Answers with Ken Ham, co-author of the book on why so many young people are leaving the church, entitled Already Gone. You know, perhaps the most asked question of all time is, why does God allow suffering? Well, what is the answer? After the terrorist attacks on the United States 10 years ago, we heard lots of Christian leaders expressing grief and calling on people to pray. Now, that was good, of course, but sadly, few Christian leaders provided biblical answers to explain what happened. Some went so far as to say there was no explanation. But God hasn't hidden the answer. In fact, he's raised it high for all to see. You see, Genesis records a true history of death. God originally created a perfect world. There was no violence or pain. But this sinless world was ruined by the rebellion of the first man, Adam. His sin brought an intruder into the world, death. And God had to judge sin with death. You see, we all sinned in Adam, who represented us. Our sins, not just the sins of the other guy, of course. In other words, it's really our fault the world is the way it is. For more eye-opening teaching on why God allows terrorism, death, and bloodshed today, get a copy of Ken's DVD on this timely topic. You'll find out what the Bible teaches about death and suffering. This 30-minute DVD is yours when you call toll-free and make a gift of any size. 1-888-89-ANSWERS. Or get Ken's video through our website of AnswersOffer.org.
station called 1724-444-7444. Call ID number 555199. 1724-444-7444. Call ID number 
We're delighted uh, to have the Attorney General with us here today. He is one, as I mentioned earlier, in a different uh, setting. He is one of us. He supports law enforcement. He supports us as prosecutors. He supports you as, as law enforcement. He supports our mission, and he understands our mission. And we are very, very excited to have him here. Uh, as you all know, he is a native of Alabama, where he has worked with law enforcement and around law enforcement for nearly 40 years. Um, for 14 years, he served as a federal prosecutor, two years as an assistant United States attorney in the Southern District of Alabama before he was um, then appointed to. Welcome to True Health Tuesdays, and the truth will set you free. Today, how to make an addict. Okay, now, people have talked about um, the opiate. Has anyone ever heard of the opiate crisis? Yes, everywhere. We're talking like 60 minutes. We're talking, you know, multiple, multiple things. People know that there's a drug problem out there. It, it's a little bit different, though, because, I mean, we could take it and talk about how uh, Congress was bought off, how they fired the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Agency representative that was investigating them, how they how they literally monopolize monopolize okay our economy, but let's let's look at the need, okay because the market wouldn't be there. I mean people aren't going to be taking these things just for fun, okay. So so let's go in there. What what are opiates taken for? I mean you know we're talking a really small percentage, maybe two to three percent for recreation, okay. Most people are taking it because they're hurt. So what do we got? We got a toxic deficient society that's going to a medical system that has this symptom drug philosophy. Now, you can't sue the doctor if he's prescribing correctly. So if he gives you the aspirin a day for a healthy heart, even though that's not based in science, and, in fact, it shows it's dangerous, but as long as you have the correct diagnosis and he prescribes it, even if you stroke out or die of gastrointestinal bleeding, he can't be sued. So we're not concerned with patient outcomes. We're concerned with getting our uh, CYA. You know what that is? I know. In, in the U.K., it's called cover your butt. Okay. Okay. Okay, so when we look at this, what do people tell you that your symptoms are from? I just had the most bizarre conversation with, with one of our patients who works at Hope, and she's had lupus for like 13 years, and, you know, we're going to fix her, not by treating lupus, but by fixing the immune system getting her body detoxed, dealing with the physical, chemical, and emotional stress that caused it. But she had blood clots. And I said, I said, oh, okay, well, blood clots come from a diet, high in polyunsaturated fats, extra stress, low stomach acid, and this is what caused it. And, and she says, well, do you know what my lupus expert doctor said at Hogue? And I said, no, what did the lupus expert at Hogue say caused the blood clots? She said, lupus. And I go, oh, how? You know, there's no, there's no logic to this. So, so when we look at you, you're going, you're hurting, you're sick, you're deficient, you've got pain somewhere, okay, anxiety and stress. You go up to the healthcare professional. We don't have healthcare. In this country, we have a medical reimbursement system. No, no one's, no one's going to follow you and say, gee, you know, how are you pooping? How are you sleeping? How's your lifestyle? No, you've got the symptom of the moment. So what do they tell you? Well, here's a short list. Hereditary, it runs in the family, I don't know. 
um, idiopathic. That's the idiopathic. Uh, one of my wife's relatives happens to be a medical doctor, and I said, you know, have you ever checked people that have high blood pressure if they're in a sympathetic dominant state? He says, we know the cause. The most common cause of high blood pressure is idiopathic, which means you don't know what it is. So, but you say it in Latin and you sound like you're really cool. Okay, so what, what, what does it come from? Joints just wear out? Have you heard of this? Insanity? Most symptoms are an acute manifestation of a chronic problem. Most people have a subclinical problem. They deal with the pain. They deal with this. And, and, and it's dealt with so long that eventually it affects your diet. It affects your sleep patterns. And then that affects your bowel movements. And that affects your gait, your activity level, then this affects anxiety and stress. So most of these problems, uh, you're, you're, it's, it's shoved under the rug. Why? Because the medical system isn't designed to look at health and look at what optimal health is. It's a completely dysfunctional system. No one goes in there and says, gee, you know, your headaches, you get a 97% chance they're coming from the neck. Let's check the neck. If not that, let's check the sinuses. If the sinuses are swollen, let's see why your body has excess histamines. Let's look at the overall picture, which was physical, chemical, or emotional stress like. That's not done. That's not done. Now, we know, Journal of the American Medical Association, in this country, about 130,000 people every year are dying from the right drug at the right time in the right dosage. Why? Because it's a dysfunctional system. They're not looking at the cause. They're just finding a symptom. My ass is covered. You got this diagnosis. I'm going to give you this. So if you develop addiction, if you develop brain problems, you develop all of the things that this 128,000 people every year die from, okay, that no doctors go into jail for this. This is more people than are killed in most wars, okay? I mean, and this is every year. 2,500 people a week are killed. So, so I go to this, uh, this pharmacy museum, and it was, it was in New Orleans, and you walk in there, and, and it's, it's a recreation of a pharmacy back at the turn of the century, and you see rose hips, you see oregano oil, you see all of these different plant products, and I'm going, my God, they really had good stuff. And then you see the heroin and the cocaine, and then you think, well, that's a little aggressive. But it was just the beginning of patent medicine. Patent medicine is what we call prescription medicines today. And then on the second floor, there's this poster. And, and it's a, a, from a Collier's Exposé. It used to be a magazine that they would write, you know, very investigative journalist articles. You're not going to see this anymore because the pharmaceutical industry has bought the TV, they bought the radio, they bought the television. You're not going to see this stuff at all. Hell, they bought the Congress, and I'm going to show you that in a minute. Okay, it only cost $160 million to pass a bill. Okay, so I'm reading this, and it's hard to read the fine print, but the diseases, ague, I had to look this up. It's a malaise. It's like a flu. The diseases, under the disease, consumption, that's tuberculosis, cholera, cancer, paralysis, drug habits, diphtheria, etc. What are the solutions? Opium, morphine, laudanum, cannabis, heroin, cocaine, and alcohol. And you think, well, that's crazy. No, it's not crazy. Okay, if you had a cough, they would give you cough syrup with heroin in it, and it does calm the kids down. And heroin at the time, it's non-addictive. 
It's a natural plant product. What could possibly go wrong? I know you're thinking that, that opiates might suppress lung function and it's not a good idea to give to a kid, but hey, it's natural. So now they were doing this, and here's, the, here's just the art. I've got to read this because this was 112 years ago, and I'm asking you if things have gotten better or worse. Patent medicines are poisoning people throughout America today. Babies who cry are fed laudanum under the name of syrup. Women are led to injure themselves for life by reading in the papers about the meaning of backache. Young men and boys are robbed and contaminated by vicious criminals who lure them to their dens through seductive advertisements. My God. Okay, so now I want you to, if you haven't seen the 60-minute expose, okay, on, uh, and this was, this is the link to it, CBS News, XDE agent fueled by Congress, Joe Renazzisi, DE agent, he's also a licensed pharmacist, and this guy started to find do, do real investigation. He saw people dying, and he noticed that it was prescription drugs. And so he goes in to, 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 to find the culprits. We're talking 200,000 people, okay, in, in 10 years, tw- about 20,000 people a year. And uh, Bill Whitaker, 60 Minutes, and I've got to read this. You know the implication of what you're saying, that these big companies knew they were pumping drugs into American communities and they were killing people. Joe says, that's not an implication, that's a fact. That's exactly what they did. Exactly what they did. Now, if you go back to the hearings, okay, and I'm talking 2001, congressional hearings, Purdue Pharmaceuticals, the ones that are produced in the hydrocodone, you know, some of the opiates, and they said, look, in a properly managed patient, these are not addictive. So doctors are hearing this saying, man, this is great. Non-addictive and effective for pain. Is anyone suffering from an opioid deficiency? Is the body into See, these are the questions nobody's asking. Are these people that are hurting, did any doctor go in there and say, man, we've got to find the cause of this? We've got to find the physical, chemical, or emotional cause of this. Or do they just drug people because this is a psychotic system? When we look at this, okay, and this is out of the Journal of Medical Ethics, because if you're in here and you think that the medical system is based in science, that their advice is accurate, that's not affecting people, that I just put up, that medical, the right drug at the right time and the right dosage kills 128,000 people a year. Did I just put that up? So here's a journal article from the Journal of Law and Medical Ethics, 2013. Over the past 35 years, patients have suffered largely from a hidden epidemic of side effects from drugs that usually have few offsetting benefits. The pharmaceutical industry has corrupted the practice of medicine through its influence over what drugs are developed and how they are tested and how medical knowledge is created. Since 1906, heavy heavy commercial influence has compromised congressional legislation to protect the public from unsafe drugs. Wow. Wow. Okay, so when we look at this, and these are some of the quotes off of the site, okay, the CBS site, you're talking, they're, they're looking at this, this investigator is finding these, these communities that are being destroyed. So he goes up and, and he tells his bosses, look, we got to go before Congress. We got we to gotta get these guys arrested. And... 
Um, now, aided by Congress, lobbyists in the drug distribution industry that shipped almost untracked hundreds of millions of pills to rogue pharmacies and pain clinics, um, providing the rocket fuel over the last two decades, has claimed 200,000 lives. This is an industry that allowed millions and millions of drugs to go to bad pharmacies and doctor's offices that distributed them to people who had no need for the legitimate drugs. Here's, here's the problem. Okay, when you look at this, the need was there. The need was there. So we have a sick, deficient population and a medical system that's not based in science. If you come up to a doctor and say, gee, doc, my back is really sore. You know, I picked up luggage. Okay, is the doctor going to say, well, gee, you picked up luggage before that's not picking up luggage. That's a normal activity. Let's do some research on this. Okay, how's your pelvis? How's your autonomic nervous system? What type of medications are you taking? How are you sleeping at night? What's your physical, chemical, emotional stress load? For God's sake, what's your diet like? Let's do an actual thorough thing. Or are they going to say, dude, we're going to start you on nonsteroidal anti-inflammatories for two weeks course of that. If, that's, if that still doesn't work for you, okay, we can do injections. I'm going to up for you to hydrocodone, and that will for sure help you. But, of course, chronic pain will cause depression, so I'm going to give you an antidepressant as well. Okay, now you may have some sleep issues, so we're going to give you this Lunesta, which is really good. However, the side effect is fatigue and anxiety, so I'm going to give you a little effort too. You know, we got a little um, – do, do you understand? This is the system that people are becoming drug addicts in. The medical system is completely dysfunctional in identifying everything. We had, we had a patient today. She just went through a double mastectomy, chemotherapy, radiation, and the doctor said, gee, your thyroid's functioning low. <laughs> no kidding, okay? She's got systemic inflammation, multiple surgeries, multiple trauma, and you're going to compare her thyroid level with somebody who hasn't gone through this stuff. Insane. Okay, so when we look at this, it's, the, the pain level in America hasn't increased since 1999. People are, you know, what kind of level of pain are you in? Oh, this, that scale. Yet there's been quadrupling of prescriptions. So either America is the healthiest ever been since 1999 or we're the most drugged the world's ever seen. Why? Because the profession that you're trusting with your health is, is doing damage. Now, let's say that you are in pain. Let's say that you were given a prescription. Did you know that after five days of taking the prescription that your pain increases? That means if you're taking opioids such as codeine, oxycodone, morphine, fentanyl, okay, and we got it all in the, the cabinets back there from people that have given this crap up, they found that chronic pain of the morphine group worsened within just five days of the treatment we found that the treatment was contributing to the problem. There's no follow-up. By God, you got pain. There's no, there's no respect for the body having an intelligent expression of these symptoms. The pain is just covered up. The symptom is just covered up. By God, you know, you got high blood pressure. Are you drinking enough water? What's your stress level like? What's your sleep levels like? Or do they go in and say, you know, your blood pressure is high, Bob. You know, you need to get a diuretic, a beta blocker, an ACE inhibitor. It's true that diuretics 
can lead to cardiac arrhythmias and probably kill you in the end and cause damage to the kidneys. But by God, your blood pressure is going to be as normal as that guy over there. Okay. Medical overuse headache. Okay, yeah. You have a headache, you take a drug, you get another headache. Don't worry, you can take another drug. Okay, this is America. You understand they're going to play this tape 50 years from now, and they'll think, nobody could have been that stupid. Okay, and i got to tell you, I was just watching the CBS interview because I didn't have a chance to see it with Joe uh, Renazzisi, and it was sponsored by, uh, by, by Pfizer Pharmaceutical. They come on with a two-minute introduction, then they have a commercial. The commercial was for Chantrix, okay, a stop-smoking drug, okay, because if you're on one natural drug, you want to get on the commercial drug. Okay, the side effects may be suicide, suicidal thoughts, more infections, everything else. Then Joe comes on to talk about how the pharmaceutical industry is poisoning in America. Okay, wound repair. If you're going to take an opiate for actual pain, you've got surgery, motorcycle, big trauma. Okay, published in Wound Repair and Regeneration, the data suggests that opioid exposure can reduce the likelihood of healing in patients with chronic wound. Why is that? Okay, when you look at inflammation, inflammation is a repair process. It's how the body regenerates tissue. So if you have itis, arthritis, if you have inflammation of anything, that's the body doing everything it can to heal. So you don't take a drug to make you comfortable that stops the healing process. You take things that, uh, that, that capitalize on that inflammatory process so your body can regenerate tissue. Approximately 6.5 million people in the U.S. experience chronic uh, wounds. Chronic wounds. So why would that be? Why, why don't we go in there? and look at the biomechanics. How about stabilize? Why? Because we've got one system in this country that's completely dysfunctional, workman's comp. We actually had a workman's comp supervisor come here the other day that brings his wife, and I said, boy, that's a horrible system you're working for. Let me, let me tell you, workman's compensation, if you hurt a leg, okay, at work, do you think if I'm walking around like this for a week that this could negatively affect my pelvis? Yeah? Do you think it might negatively affect my shoulder? Guess what? In work comp, you can't fix the whole body. You've got to work on just the side of the injury. That's really smart. Okay? Okay, so um, overscribing opioids for chronic pain is driving the epidemic. Okay, so what are some of the effects of these opioids? I mean, we know constipation. Oh, I just saw a drug for opioid constipation. Honest to God, okay? Okay, dry mouth, that's that stomach, lung and heart problems, sleep apnea. And remember, these things, those are, this is the short list. We're not talking addiction uh, and, and just literal damage. So what's the other thing? Okay, so you go to the doctor. Let's just say for back pain, neck pain, arm pain. Bam, you get a course of nonsteroidal anti-inflammatories. It's true. The ibuprofen, Motrin, and Aleve, the nonsteroidal anti-inflammatories destroy joint cartilage, Okay. So you can't be on that for too terribly long, plus it causes damage to all the organ systems. Bam, you might be given the opiates right away, or they give you cortisone shots in the joints. That doesn't work either because no one's suffering from cortisone deficiency. There's no respect for the body's processes. You understand this. You got pain. There's a friggin' problem. 
Okay, but you're going to drug the symptoms. Okay, this does not make sense, okay, in human world. Okay, so now the drugs don't work because you're not suffering from drug deficiency. The shots don't work because that doesn't work. The cortisone starts to destroy the joints. So let's go to surgery. This is a great book, Surgery, the Ultimate Placebo. Okay, so now it, but before I read a quote from this book, understand the vet task force went and looked at the medical system, and they say, at best, at best, the advice you're getting from the medical system is right about 20% of the time. It usually averages around 4%. If you read that backwards, if you're abdicating authority over your health and you're going to the medical system that's run by the pharmaceutical industry that now controls our government, they're wrong 80 to 96% of the time. Okay? There's very little evidence that spine fusion surgery for back pain is effective. It's very expensive. Implants alone cost tens of thousands of dollars, leading to complications that require further surgery, and an increased mortality often does not even result in the spine being fused. The rate of spinal fusion surgery is increasing, has been increasing many years. The rate in the U.S. has gone way past one spinal fusion per 1,000 population per year. It's overtaken hip replacements. Okay, why? Because the system is completely dysfunctional. Let's just look at back pain. Just, just, just look at it, okay? Chronic low back pain is the CLBP, although there are multiple surgical options. Anyone in here suffering from lack of surgery? No. Anybody actually have one disc that's bad, not affecting the ones above or below it? If, if anyone knows anatomy or physiology, you're going, that was the funniest joke Bergman ever said. You can't have one disc. They're all connected. <laughs> Good one. Okay, so it doesn't work that way. There's something wrong. There's loss of curve, of, of, you know, buckling of the spine, you know, abnormal gait, abnormal mechanics. There needs to be some research, some in-depth appreciation that the body has actual problems. Okay, not suffering from drugs and surgery. Lumbar fusion for common degenerative changes appear to offer limited relative benefits, if any. So the surgery doesn't work. The drugs don't work, okay? The chances of permanent disability increase 500% with surgery compared to no surgery. Let's look at muscle relaxants, because remember, you're going up to this trusted healthcare profession that kills 128,000 people a year with the right drug at the right time and the right dosage. If a mechanic had this record, would you take your car to him? No, would you let him fix your toaster? Okay, okay, so, so now you go to this medical profession, you got the back pain, the, the steroids didn't work, the anti-inflammatories didn't work, what's he gonna suggest? Let's go to the physical therapist. I got an idea. Let's try muscle relaxants first, okay? Now, muscle relaxants don't work on the actual muscle. They attack the central nervous system, okay? So now, for every one inch that heads forward, the pressure on the disc double, is the body smart or stupid? The doctor's smarter than your body because I'm going to give you a muscle relaxant. By God, we're going to relax those damn muscles because they're spasming out for the hell of it. Do you see the arrogance and ignorance? Okay, for every one inch that heads forward, the pressure on the disc double. That means these muscles are screaming. So if you relax those, 
that head's going to fall further forward. The muscles on either side of the spine, you don't even have conscious control over. They increase in tone under proprioception, your brain's awareness, or actual nerve pressure. It's foolish to relax those muscles. But let's look at what the Journal of Spine says. Studies do not provide evidence for long-term use of muscle relaxants. Muscle relaxants demonstrated more central nervous system side effects. No kidding. It's a central nervous system toxin. Okay. Sudden discontinued chronic use of benzodiazepams is associated with delirium trims, where abruptly discontinuing baclofen may result in seizures. So if you are taking the, the central nervous system poison to relax those guarding muscle spasms, which is an intelligent response in your body, stopping those abruptly can result in seizures and craziness, delirium. I'm, who, who prescribed that? Okay, electric modalities are frequently used in the management of chronic low back pain. However, few studies support their use. Okay, interferential current. Now, I used to be the tutor for the um, uh, physical therapy lab. Okay, so I know about interferential. Okay, we know about low-volt DC. We know about all the different therapies. Okay, and in 22 years of practice, I never wanted to go out and get an ultrasound machine. I never found it necessary. I never got a, a muscle you know, stimulation electric machine. But now let's look at what the Journal of Spine has to say. Interferential current, no eligible studies found. Uh, electric muscle stim, no eligible studies found. Ultrasound, no eligible studies found. Hot pack, ice pack, cold pack, no eligible studies found that are effective. So let's look at the real problem. Okay, obviously the medical system, if you go there with a common symptom, such as neck pain, back pain, arm, hand, numbness, whatever, foot pain, knee pain, joint pain, shoulder pain, whatever, if they treat it with a drug or surgery or electric stim and they're not looking at the overall body. Has anyone ever woken up here with a sore shoulder and think it's only the shoulder? It could be. It could be. You're laying in there in bed all nice and neat. Your ex-spouse comes up and beats you in the shoulder. That's possible. The rest of your body is nice and stable. Your head's all comfortable. Only the shoulder was injured in that. If that scenario happened, you're unique. Most people will have a neck problem, a shoulder, but this, a thorax. I mean, there's going to be some kind of source. Does that make more sense? Let's look at inflammatory diseases, Alzheimer's, because that's what the population is. What we've got, we've got a sick toxic, deficient population. We've got poison that we're feeding our system. We're, we're not moving our bodies. Then, and inflammation is how the body heals. So when you look at this inflammatory diseases, think that the body is, is damaged, and inflammation is how the body's healing. So when you have Alzheimer's, we've got placking in the brain. What's that placking in the brain come from? Okay, it's from a long-term, toxic, deficient lifestyle. And by God, the body is trying to regenerate the brain, but it can't because it's in a stressed state and it can't break those proteins to amino acids. And then what happens? Autism, toxic deficient, asthma, depression, aging, strokes. I mean, this is not, you know, the standard diseases. These are the body breaking down. Okay, let's look at acetaminophen, Tylenol, the most number one prescribed. Acetaminophen decreases intracellular glutathione levels. Okay, what this means, glutathione is protective of the brain. It's protective of the body. 
and acetaminophen destroys it. It impairs uh, endogenous antioxidant defenses and may have a role in pathogenesis of a number of inflammatory pulmonary diseases, including asthma. So wait a second. The number one prescribed drug in America, acetaminophen, okay, will stop inflammation and promote inflammatory diseases. Let's look at clinical biochemistry. If you have anything, oxidative stress is an important factor in the pathogenesis of celiac disease. So if you're taking a Tylenol and you start to develop celiac disease, is it only from bad wheat products or bad digestion? Or could it be from a toxic deficient lifestyle? What is antioxidant or what is glutathione? It's a master antioxidant. It detoxifies the system. It's brilliant. But what do the what do the doctors say when you get a vaccine? If your child has a fever, give them Tylenol. That depletes glutathione, and this is what protects their brain. I mean, I'm not anti-drug. I'm anti-stupid. Okay? Garlic, onions, this is vital. Tylenol, the number one drug prescribed in the country. This is not the opioid epidemic. Dulled emotion responses, increased asthma risk, blood cancers, decreased cartilage production, 61,000 people a year, according to the Journal of the American Medical Association, develop drug-induced Parkinson's symptoms. Chronic pain changes brain structure. This is the biggest thing ever. I, uh, what I want you to own is the body is intelligent. Its responses to the environment are intelligent. If you cover up the symptom with a medication, uh, unless it's very short-term, like if you've been run over by a car, and I'm going to tell you personal experience, that hurts, okay? Morphing is appropriate for the first couple of days because it feels better, okay? If you've had a chronic, chronic illness, pain, whatever, sometimes these chronic drugs are necessary for a quality of life, absolutely. But those 128,000 people a year that die from the right drug at the right time, did they have a good quality of life? No. There has to be more thought in this. Chronic pain shrinks your brain. So if you're under pain day in, day out, six months of chronic pain shrinks your brain equivalent to 20, 10 to 20 years. So listen to the body. Respect the body. Get, get, find the source of it. Find a real doctor that's going to do an entire thorough checkup. Okay? Um, the longer a person has chronic pain, the more their brain shrinks. This doesn't mean that opiates are going to make your brain grow, okay? It just means your brain is still going to shrink, but you're not going to really care because you're, under, you're stoned. It's important for emphasize the importance of treating pain early and aggressively or it will destroy their brain. I have a major problem with this. Treating pain? That's idiots. Treating the source of why your body is presenting with this inflammatory response and this massive discomfort Absolutely, I'd get behind that 100%. You don't treat a symptom. That's insane. They came up with this really good article and a great, great idea. Nonsteroidal anti-inflammatories may prevent Alzheimer's. Sounds good, right? I, yeah, they did the study. Bummer. Okay. Contrary to the hypothesis that nonsteroidal anti-inflammatories protect against Alzheimer's disease, uh, pharmacy defined nonsteroidal anti-inflammatories as heavy users increase dementia Heavy users is like one a day, okay? Increased dementia of Alzheimer's disease and dementia, 66%. So 
it turns out that it's not good for you. Vioxx. Anybody ever hear of Vioxx? Amazing. When you look at the original articles on Vioxx, and they're comparing Vioxx with a placebo, this was a quote from the original journal article. The overall mortality rate and the death rate from cardiovascular disease were similar in the two groups, the Vioxx and the placebo. However, after a couple of years on the market, because um, I, I think it started in 1990, yeah, 1999, it was approved. It was pulled off in 2004 after 27,000 people died of heart attacks. They say up to 100,000 people are dead now. Some people are up to like two or 300,000 people. Nobody went to jail. Why? Because it was the right drug at the right time and the right dosage. And don't worry about um, the company that made it. Okay, they made almost $4 billion. Okay, what does pain do? Does pain elevate blood pressure? Yeah. Does pain elevate cholesterol? Does pain elevate um, blood sugar? Absolutely. So these people walking around with high blood pressure, could they have a subclinical presentation of pain? Or could they be so used to chronic pain that that's how it's presenting? So if the doctors look at your physiology, your vital signs, and they say, wow, your body has high blood pressure, take this. Your body has high cholesterol, take this. Your body is, you're pre-diabetic, you need this. Okay, pre-this. Okay, when you look at this, it's, it's nuts. These are all signs of chronic stress. The autonomic nervous system is going to respond correctly given that physical, chemical, or emotional stress correctly. This is, this is a cool picture out of a book, but it shows the nervous system actually attaching to the, the immune system cells, macrophages. That means your brain, that nervous system, that autonomic nervous system, this autonomic nervous system that controls and coordinates every function of the body is directly linked to your immune system. So chronic pain not only shrink in the brain, it will weaken your immune system response. Now, at the time Vioxx was really popular, they compared Vioxx with chiropractic. Now, I know chiropractic is scary for a lot of people because we bring the body up to normal function and it's non-toxic and non-addictive. <laughs> yeah, you're addicted. Yeah, you're married to the chiropractor. Okay, so, <laughs> so when you look at this, they compared it and they stopped the, the course of, of chiropractic here and for 18 months, the, the, the chiropractic group was working good. They had to, they had to stop the study because Vioxx was pulled from the market. And, you know, it was kind of, you know, mean beating up drug companies after they've already killed 100,000 people. Okay, but this one, it turns out the chiropractic adjustments, why am I putting this up there? Well, for one, I'm a chiropractor, but also we're getting the nervous system to work correctly. You get the body to work correctly, will it affect the brain in a positive res response? Absolutely. Chronic pain, does that positively affect the brain or negatively affect the brain? It negatively affects it. This is a perfect example. Ex-vet comes in, and I, th I think he uh, tours the duty in Afghanistan. He was taking antidepressants, anxiety, course and courses of antibiotics. I mean, he was, he was a drug nightmare. Okay? You're looking at physical stress here. Did he have uh, emotional stress too? How's the sleep pattern? What we did, we got him on healthy nutrients. We got him pooping three times a day. We got him sleeping. We got him reprogramming his brain with the neurolinguistic programming. We got him out of the physical, chemical, and emotional stress. That's what doctors need to do. You 
get people that have had physical, chemical, and emotional stress, if you don't hit all three of those, uh, you're not going to get the person better. These are anti-inflammatories because, remember, inflammation is how the body heals. The reason people promote natural fruits and vegetables as anti-inflammatories is because when inflammation happens, you create free radicals. That's, that happens with the breakdown of tissue. These free radicals can actually attach to healthy cells and, and damage them. So what anti-inflammatories do, they have extra electrons that deactivate those free radicals. So this actually helps your body with that inflammatory process to regenerate tissue. I mean, it just makes sense. Cayenne pepper is a good anti-inflammatory. This one, kratom, and it's just a plant, okay? It's similar to coffee, but the, D, or the FDA is trying to outlaw because it it's natural and safe and non-addictive. The FDA is trying to outlaw it because it's natural, safe, and non-addictive. Should I also say it's not patentable, too? Okay, yeah, yeah, they're trying to put it as a class-run drug. Yeah, when coffee is outlawed, only outlaws will have coffee. Okay, <laughs> but look at all the other things that you can do. You know, water, breathing, I mean, fish oils, omega-3s. There's so many lists that you can do, and this is just a short list. But literally, instead of taking something for pain, you're just a glorified allopath. If you take something that your body's deficient in, or you take something to detox your system, and you actually look at the intelligence of what your body is responding to, your body's going to be healthy. So let's take away the psychotic medical system that, that, that created this opioid epidemic by teaching our young people that, that, are, that are doctors that really care for people. Okay, but their hands are strapped because they're not taught that the body's intelligent. It's the whole education system. This is what you need to get your body healthy, organic, healthy, healthy fats, plant-based diet, juicing, blending. Plant-based diet, juicing, blending, proper nerve supply, exercise, sleep. I mean, this is all the solutions. Now, we've got Extreme Health Academy. This is, we've got webinars like this all the time, okay? I think weekly, monthly, something like that. I don't know. I'm always doing something for them, okay? I really don't know. My, my team tells me I've got to go here and there, but this is really popular. And then check out our site. This is, one of the, this is becoming one of the most powerful natural sites on the, on the planet. Now, any questions? I got to repeat the question. So if anybody asks something, make sure it's short and sweet. And we only have five minutes of it. So no long questions. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Someone with uh, back injury, chronic pain, 20 years, on opioids. They never prescribe just opioids. There's the muscle relaxant and the lyrica. How did the person come back from the down? Okay, perfect. A person. 20 years of back pain, prescribed muscle relaxants, pain relievers, and Lyrica. How does a person come back from that? Easy. Don't take two drugs together. Separate them by at least an hour. That's going to detox it. Then they got to go to a corrective chiropractor to do this, get their nervous system checked. You're going to check their stress x-rays, find out what's going on, even if somebody's had surgery, because we know surgery isn't effective either. 
you're talking a massive re-upping of more surgeries. So you've got to take stress x-rays. You've got to stabilize the pelvis. Look at our, our pelvic health video. So you've got to get the trochanter support in there. You've got to make sure the person's sleeping. You've got to restore it. And remember, 50% of low back issues are also coming from the neck. So when you're looking at the site of injury, you've got to look at the entire body. Do you think we need to take a look at their biomechanics of how they walk, how their feet are? Do you think their feet are going to be flat by now with bunion formation? Yeah, their whole gait's going to be off. So we've got to check the physical, chemical, emotional stress, and their body's alive. Discs are alive. If you cause an inflammation at the disc, you cause an inflammation at the disc, you're going to correctly cause an inflammation at the disc. Why would I say that? Because inflammation is how the body what? Heals. God, I feel so heard. <laughs> it's true. So you get them, their body to heal, okay? And then you develop a dialogue with the guy that prescribed the drugs who's working with a completely dysfunctional system. He's unaware that this can regenerate. He hasn't a clue to check the pelvis or the neck or the gait or the sleep or the bowel movements or anything else. He doesn't know. He wasn't trained in this. He's trained symptom drug, and that kills a lot of people. You go in and explain this, develop a dialogue, then get him to juice and blend every day, which has anti-inflammatories, which will help him. It's going to start to clean his blood. It's going to get his lungs working correctly so it can detox and get rid of the carbon dioxide. You walk him through, get him up to two to three bowel movements a day. And then, because sick people need drugs, what happens if we take a healthy person in this room and we give them the oxycodone we give them the Lyrica, and we give them the Baclofen, the muscle relaxant. Let's just, let's just pick a random person. No, they would get sick. The toxins will go up. They get sick. Okay, yeah. So if we're getting this guy healthy and he's taking those drugs, he's going to remain sick. And so once you understand that, because there's a dependency, you know, these drugs are, are keeping them alive. They're, no, they're not. It's increasing the pain. It's keeping them sick. Okay, because the, the, the real cause has never been, been addressed. Yeah, he'll get better, 100%. Is there a point of no return from 20 or 30 years of damage caused by the drug? Is, is there a point of no return for 20 to 30 years of damage caused by the drug? Yeah, it's called dead. If they're alive, if they're alive, and I'm talking quadriplegics, bullet wounds, I've seen every possible injury you could imagine, okay? Double amputee from infections. We're talking 32 prescriptions in one human being. I mean, everything that you could imagine, bone cancer, multiple fractures. I mean, every, everything comes in, every, every kind of chronic toxicity or deficiency in 20 years of, of every, everybody comes in our doors, okay? And as long as they're alive, the body is self-healing and self-regulating. You change that, that dialogue, okay, then they understand that the result of a toxic deficient lifestyle is what they're experiencing. And you change that, the body is always self-healing and self-regenerating. Yeah, I got a lot of faith in humans. I got zip faith in, in patent pharmaceuticals. Unless it's short-term and you were just hit by a car. <laughs> and may have two days of morphine, do me up, right? Okay. Yes, ma'am. Um, uh, 50-something-year-old, um, about to go undergo surgery for cervical stenosis. Is that going to be the answer? 
okay, a 50-something-year-old is going to go under spinal surgery for stenosis. Is, is surgery the answer? Uh, it doesn't, it, I don't know. It totally depends. If that person was involved in a crush injury that crushed the vertebrae that destroyed everything, absolutely, surgery is completely appropriate. If that person has a reverse curve in the neck that's causing stenosis, then surgery is completely inappropriate if those, if those joints move. You've got to restore the curve, and that eliminates the stenosis. So you have to do an accurate assessment using stress x-rays and, and correct the stenosis. Correct the stenosis. Stenosis can be reversed. Stenosis can be reversed. So it started with him one side of the leg. No, ma'am. Okay, wait, wait, hold on, because I've got to repeat everything that you say, so this better not be a dialogue. You better ask a question, then I'm going to answer it, okay? Okay. So what she just said, it started with him dragging the leg. Anybody believe that? Raise your hand. <laughs> I'm going to say no. <laughs> Did it start with him dragging the leg? No. The nerve compression was there for a long time. He had an altered gait for a long time, many years. His pain was in chronic physical, chemical, or emotional stress for years. Everybody understands that. The doctor doesn't. Gee, Bob, your leg is dragging. You got nerve compression. Let's lay you down and get an MRI. Oh, yep, shows stenosis. Of course, we're not going to check anything but the site of injury. We're not going to look at your gait. We're not going to see how your, your physiology is. We're not going to ask you about your drug use and history. We're not going to see if you were taking years of non anti-inflammatories, which destroy proteoglycan, which is the building block of cartilage. I'm not going to ask you about your history. I'm not going to ask you how you move. Do you sleep on your back with both your legs bent and a pillow underneath? That flattens out the disc. That could make a stenosis appear on an MRI. We're not going to ask about that. You're just dragging your leg. It's a damn leg. Hell, I'd amputate the leg. <laughs> Cut off the offending part. You understand? It's crazy. Crazy. They have to respect the body. And since the body started to deteriorate and compress, the body can regenerate okay, and regrow. Okay, there's not that there's not that respect of the body. How do you get a consultation with me? Talk to the girls. Hold hold Yes, ma'am. We back there. Um you said it is not right to relax the muscles when they when they are tight. So. No. Uh, okay, because remember, this is I got the mic. I gotta repeat everything you say. Okay, let's make it easy on me because I'm not that pleasant. I've been up since 4. Okay, this is my fast day, so I'm ready to chew my arm. <laughs> okay, so I say it's not right to relax the muscle. No. I say you've got to find out why the muscle's tight. Okay? You find out why the muscle's tight, then you know whether you should relax it or not. So I'm um, having a lot of uh, muscle cramps at night, and it's horrible. Yeah. Okay. Let I did. Okay, I had muscle cramps at night, and I used magnesium and magnesium spray. That makes sense. So it was magnesium deficiency, which is one of the most common elements that our diets are deficient in. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Uh, I read that acupuncture can not only balance energy, but raise serotonin, which then... 
Okay. I read that acupuncture was good at raising serotonin levels and easing pain. Again, I go back. Why was the pain there? Okay, acupuncture is not drugless and effective. I'm in total agreement with that. Okay, but why is the pain there? That was Dr. John Bergman in Extreme Health Academy. You can go to his website, extremehealthacademy.com. More initial talk right after this. Jamie Lee Curtis here for RAD, recording artists, actors, and athletes against drunk driving. What should you do to stop a friend from driving if they've been drinking? Answer, whatever it takes. Think before you drink. Designate before you celebrate. Choose a designated driver. Remember, friends don't let friends drive drunk. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Noah's Ark. Now, why was it so big? Answers with Ken Ham, co-author of the best-selling The New Answers book. You know, one of the most frequently asked questions posed by skeptics concerns how Noah got all the animals on the ark. You see, mocking evolutionists claim, well, Noah couldn't have fit the supposed millions of animals needed. But Noah didn't need that many animals. Only representatives of each kind of land-dwelling, air-breathing animal were to go on board. Our research scientists have shown that there can be many different species within each kind. For example, there are dingoes, wolves, coyotes, domestic dogs, and all these belong to the same kind. Plus, the Bible says the ark was huge. Perhaps only a half of the ark space was needed for the animals. So why was it so big? Well, maybe it was because God allowed room for people who might repent and come on board and thus be saved. But only Noah's family believed. You know, Noah's ark is really a picture of salvation. And Christ is our modern-day Ark of Salvation. We'll answer your questions about the Ark and Flood of Noah in our new pocket guide, available to you for a donation of any size today. To get this excellent 95-page Ark guide, call us toll-free 24 hours a day at 1-888-89-ANSWERS. We'll also send you information about the Noah's Ark we're building. For the excellent guide, call 888 888- 89 Answers, or on our website of AnswersOffer.org. Okay, men, time to be an all-star caregiver. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Be there emotionally and physically. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find care guides at AARP.org slash caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. The views of Peace and Nation Talk are not necessarily the views of Talk Shoe, Jam Radio Productions, and its sponsors. This is Nation Talk. Change, 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 change
Our subject tonight for this whole program is the opiate uh, epidemic, the problems and some solutions to opiates. Being enforced. We've seen 
with the opioid epidemic and the rise of heroin throughout not just the inner cities but throughout the suburbs and rural America? Are they going to be uh, dispatching uh, agents to, uh, to charge and to, to, to look for crimes there, or are they just going to focus uh, on the inner city where they say this, this gun violence is? You know, they have, a, they have a great opportunity to focus on gun violence and to help uh, mayors and people on the ground, police officers on the ground, by working with us, or working with mayors and, and the police to, um, to remove illegal guns. They're unwilling to stand up to the NRA to even talk about um, reducing guns in our city. Instead, they're going back to failed policies that we know for, for decades didn't work. And, of course, as Jordan pointed out, there's a lot more on that story from our Justice Unit at abcnews.com. That was ABC's, ABC's Anna Nawaz and Stephanie Rollins-Blake, uh, Congressman Charles bid to be drug czar after the controversy. All right. U.S. Attorney General talks about Zika and the opiate epidemic. We're happy to welcome now the nation's top doctor, the U.S. Surgeon General, Vice Admiral Dr. Vivek Murthy is with us. Dr. Murthy, you and I connected again because of your new efforts to combat opioid abuse, and I want to get to that, but can I start with Zika? Uh, because as Carrie just said, they're just now confirming in Florida 43 now locally transmitted cases of Zika. Is that state doing enough, in your opinion, to stop the spread? Well, this is a tough problem, and Zika is an important public health threat that our country is facing. I'm happy to say that Florida has been working closely with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention on mosquito control, public education, and just in making sure that we have adequate testing capacity. But there's undoubtedly more that we have to do. We have to, in particular, accelerate our efforts around public education so people know what steps they can take to protect themselves, and also so that clinicians, doctors, and nurses know how to advise patients and who to test. And perhaps one of the biggest, biggest things that we have to do is make sure that we are continuing our efforts to develop a vaccine. I'm happy to say that we've started phase one trials already on a candidate for a vaccine. But in order to continue vaccine development, we will need Congress right. to provide the funds necessary to support the Zika response. There have been reports just over the last few days, uh, Dr. Murtha, about, about possible other problems being associated with this disease, not just birth defects, but, but maybe problems with mental capacity and memory. What, what do you know about how serious this illness can be? Well, it might surprise people to know that we are learning new things every day about the Zika virus, and that's part of the reason it's so important that we are vigilant in our efforts around prevention. Uh, we know that the Zika virus causes microcephaly, which is a severe birth defect where the head and the brain of a, a baby are underdeveloped. But that's just one of the birth defects that Zika can cause. And this is why it's so important that we uh, not only continue to study uh, women who are impacted by Zika and their babies, but that we also make sure people know what steps they can take to prevent themselves. You know, I'll also tell you, Kate, it's very important that everyone understands that while we are concerned most of all about pregnant women, the responsibility for protecting pregnant women lies with everyone. And that's why all of us have to take steps to protect ourselves from mosquito bites and to recognize that this is a sexually transmitted disease as well. Mm. Let me switch topics. You wrote a letter to every doctor in this country. It's an unusual thing to do. You wrote it about the opioid epidemic. And, and you actually write about doctors being 
part of the problem in essence. You write, nearly two decades ago, we were encouraged to be more aggressive about treating pain, often without enough training and support to do so safely. This coincided with heavy marketing of opioids to doctors. Many of us doctors were even taught incorrectly that opioids are not addictive when prescribed for legitimate pain. And you go on to ask doctors all over this country to sign a pledge. What do doctors need to do? Well, this opioid crisis is one of the most important public health epidemics that we are facing in America. And it's important that all of us come together to do what we can to, to solve it. And that includes doctors, nurse practitioners, dentists, and physician assistants. The letter that I sent to 2.3 million healthcare prescribers is the first uh, letter that has ever been sent by a Surgeon General uh, to the profession calling them to action. And I did it because of the urgency of the situation. And there are a few specific things we're asking doctors and other healthcare practitioners to do. Number one, we're asking them to pledge their commitment uh, to turn the tide on this epidemic uh, by going to turnthetiderx.org. We're also asking them to sharpen their prescribing practices to ensure that we are treating pain safely and effectively but not prescribing opioids when they're not indicated. We're also asking them to connect people to treatment. We know right now in America, there are over one million people who need treatment for an opioid use disorder and can't get it. And perhaps most importantly, we're asking clinicians around America to help change how our country thinks about addiction. We want people to know that addiction is not a moral failing, but it's a chronic disease that requires skill, uh, requires compassion, and that must be treated with urgency. Can I, while I've got you, can I ask one last question about another issue because I, I just know you'll know all about this, the EpiPen story that we've been talking about so much over the last few days. As people know, the, the price raised up to more than $600 per EpiPen. Today, we learned that they're going to produce a generic brand that might be more like $300 for a pair of EpiPens. How does this happen, and is that, is that good enough, uh, or do we need even more uh, regulation or something to, to ensure that these don't cost so much money for families going back to school? Well, Kate, I was appalled when I heard about the price increase. I have taken care of many patients over the years who have relayed to me that the cost of prescription drugs has been a major barrier to them being able to get the medicines that they and their family members need. And what we're seeing here is another example where medications that are life-saving are being put out of the reach of people who need them the most. It's one of the reasons why I think it's important for us to use the negotiating power uh, that we have as a government uh, to get uh, prices on drugs that are affordable uh, for the people who need them the most. Right now, the government does not have much negotiating power with pharmaceutical companies. I think it's time we change that. Dr. Murthy, so good to have you with us. Dr. Vivek Murthy is the U.S. Surgeon General. Appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Great to be with you, Kate. Right. Hey there, I'm Chris Hayes from MSNBC. Thanks for watching MSNBC on YouTube. You're currently dealing with, with major cases revolving around the opioid crisis. Me. Last year, more Americans died from opioids uh, uh, or uh, overdosing in general than U.S. soldiers died during the entire Vietnam War, which also ironically involved right. a lot of heroin. But you said there's a lot of blame here for the, the opioid producers and the distributors. Is that right? Yeah, I think that I think the distributors are primarily uh, at, at responsible for this. Here's why: if uh, distributors such as uh, Amerisource or, or McKesson or Cardinal, those are the three major distributors that control 85% of the distribution market in the country. Even though there are 800 uh, distributors throughout the country, what happened in 1970 is the government comes out with uh, with uh, guidelines. 
mm-hmm. on how these drugs should be distributed. So they give these distributors the right to do it. But they say to them, you are the last line in the sand, you're the gatekeeper, and you know what? If, if you don't do your job, we're going to have an opioid catastrophe on our hands. And sure enough, they didn't do their job. They didn't do their job, Lee, because they were making so much money doing it. Uh, you know, right. we're, we're talking about, we're not just about hundreds, we're not talking about hundreds of millions, we're talking about billions that these companies were making. So this intentionally happened. This wasn't a mistake. This was, oh, gee whiz, I've lost my phone. No, this is, I know how we're going to make a lot of money here, and the way we're going to do it is we're going to let, um, we're, we're going to let this whole thing develop as as it will, and, and they, they no control at all, really. This feels very similar to the tobacco companies who knew they were killing their customers, or Exxon and Shell, who we now have proof knew about climate change in the 70s and 80s. Are, are there some similarities there? A lot of similarities. Both of those situations, nobody has gone to prison. And until we as a culture and a society start saying, we have to throw some of these people in prison, yeah, they, you know, they're dressed up in three-piece suits. They drive, you know, they drive nice cars. They drive Mercedes-Benz and Bentleys. They have a Rolex watch. They don't look like criminals. Let's leave them alone. They don't wear hoodies. Until we start putting some of these CEOs in prison for these decisions that they intentionally reach. I mean, they know exactly what they're doing. There's no question that they know exactly what they're doing is, uh, when, this, when this happens. You may recall, you bring up tobacco. You may recall that in the uh, tobacco wars, you had the 12 representatives of, of, of these companies, uh, seven, excuse me, stand up in front of the Congress and just lie, top to bottom. Yeah. Same thing's going to happen with the global warming issue. Same thing's happening here. All right. Here's President Bill Clinton on the Clinton Foundation's focus on the opiate epidemic when he was on Conan O'Brien. Right now, you have more power at your fingertips than entire generations that came before you. But not really about what technology can do, it's about what you can do with it. We are living in the future we always dreamed of. We have mixed reality that changes how we see the world and AI empowering us to change the world we see. So what will you do with it? A year ago, we were together, we were talking about all the work that the Clinton Foundation does around the world, what they're working on. Uh, currently, what would you say is your number one priority, Clinton Foundation? Well, my focus right now, that our new focus, is trying to do more about the opioid epidemic. Yeah. I have been working. We, well, let me just say a few words about it. I'll, ask yourselves all these questions. First of all, how many of you know someone who uh, has either died or who had someone in their family die of opioid overdose? Raise your hand. Look, look. Okay. Hillary and I, Hillary and I have five friends who've lost children. This is no respecter. And by the way, one was African American, two were white Arkansans. One was an Indian whose father was an immigrant who did terrifically well, and one was a Kosovar Albanian immigrant who lives on my street. And what bothers me about this 
I started working that when the young, brilliant, wonderful Indian American man who was working for Hillary at the State Department died, and his girlfriend told him after they drank four beers together, he said, Pop an Oxycontin, that would give him a buzz. If you fall asleep, that can kill you because any mixture of opioids with any kind of alcohol deadens the part of your brain that tells your body to breathe while you're sleeping. Now, I have asked all kinds of people, including a 20-year-old young guy that just got out of rehab a couple weeks ago, I saw him. Did anybody ever tell you that in school, in high school or college? No. And he said, believe it or not, I asked the same question to the people I was in rehab with. And the answer was no. So I spent most of my time trying to make excuse me, Narcan or Naloxone more readily available at the lowest possible price to the people who have to distribute it. And also working with a wonderful little uh, company called Adapt to get free nasal spray uh, Naloxone containers to as many colleges and high schools in the country as we could, as quickly as we could. Now, the good news is, I don't know, if you see this stuff work, it's like mind-boggling, it's like a miracle. You've got somebody who swears dead, and I mean they're back in a minute. The problem is, someone has to be there. And so what I've tried to do now is, I, we work with the Bloomberg School of Public Health at Johns Hopkins in Baltimore. We just came back from Baltimore doing our third annual opioid summit. And we're trying to do more first to educate people on the basic public health of this. Believe it or not, all of you young people, every person you know, you should tell. You cannot mix an opioid with any level of alcohol of any kind without risking your life. And if That's you do, people don't know. They don't know that. And if you see somebody do it, you should slap them around so they can't go to sleep. I mean, whatever you have to do, throw a bucket of water on them. Yeah. Just basic stuff. So we're trying to do prevention. We're trying to keep people off of it. And then we're, we're trying to go out and, and create public health networks yeah. with what budget we've got. So we're doing our best to go out and try to figure out how, with whatever money we've got, we can build out some basic treatment and basic education and get the universities and colleges involved everywhere so we can keep everybody alive. And that's the most important thing. you got a chance, <laughs> as long as you're breathing. Yeah. We, but you need to tell people these things and make sure they know 90,000 people a year are dying. It's, it's an incredible... Uh... 90 people a day, I'm sorry, over 60,000 people this year. It is an insane epidemic that we're experiencing right now, and uh, I wish we had I, I wish we had more time because you I've never talked to a guest who has more facts at their fingertips than you do, and has uh, more important things to say. Uh, thank you. And I'll tell you something else. I'll tell you something else. Uh, it was uh, you're doing uh, you're doing the Lord's work. I will tell you that, and I'll say something else. It's been uh, it's been a 25 uh, year wait to talk to you, but it's been worth the wait, and uh, I really appreciate it.
real honor. Yeah. For more information, this is important stuff. For more information, visit www.clintonfoundation.org. It's really important. Today, more Americans are dying of overdoses than ever before. And this is the epicenter of that crisis. We're on the pace to have 800 people die this year due to overdose in our county. What's the percentage of, uh, of the bodies that are in here right now that are overdose deaths from heroin or fentanyl? We are averaging 60 to 70% of our cases now are overdoses. Do you know anybody that's died? Yes. My boyfriend and uh, my mom died in January. You going through withdrawal right now? Do you guys mind explaining to me why we've got to put these masks on? The short answer is if you bring it in, you can tell it. You said you have a nickname for this street. Um, Morgue Avenue. Morgue Avenue. It's not Morgan, honey. It's Morgue. You literally just walked in to cash a check, and by the time you came back, your brother had gone and come back and got in an accident and then told the paramedic that he was on fentanyl. Yeah. What's it like to go through this? Hell. Hell. Everything is just hell. Montgomery County, Ohio, where thanks to a drug so powerful it could kill you if you touch it, police work isn't what it used to be. Why is a sheriff's deputy that's supposed to be fighting crime driving around with a, with a heroin antidote? Uh, we don't have enough EMS units uh, for the overdoses. When we first started doing this, it was one every two weeks, and then it gradually worked its way into one every week, and now we're into uh, three, four, five a day. Um, I could probably look on my computer right now and there would be three or four overdoses on there right now somewhere within this county. It didn't take very long. The deputy said that there was a car accident here. You can obviously see that with the minivan here and the pickup truck. And they took one person out of the vehicle who they say have a, had a thousand-yard stare, was out of it. And so now he's in the back of the ambulance here. He's my brother. Yeah. I just lost, we just lost our dad to an overdose. You lost your dad to yes. an overdose? I come outside and there's an accident. Okay. And then he, another officer comes up and tells me that he said that he took two caps of fentanyl. Fentanyl, okay. Okay. And I don't know what, I wasn't even in the car when it happened. Do you use yourself? No, not Nothing. at all. Anybody else in your family hooked on heroin or my fentanyl? Brother. How many brothers you got? Three. Three? I've tried my whole life to keep my family sober, literally. I was so <laughs> How bad do you think the problem is in Dayton? Sick. Can I ask you a question? Did you think your brother was using? When I first picked him up, no. Not today? Not today when I first picked him up. And when was the last time you thought your brother was using? Uh, about six months ago. He was supposed to be on the Vivitrol shot. Yeah, and it's supposed to last like for a month, right? Okay. Yeah. You literally just walked in to cash a check, and by the time you came back, your brother had gone and come back and got in an accident and then told the paramedic that he was on fentanyl. Yeah. What did he look like? Oh, his eyes were glossy. He can barely open them. What did he say to you? Nothing. He loved me. He said, I love you. What did you say to him? I love you. Yeah. 
What's it like to go through this? Hell, hell, every day it is hell. Traditionally, opioids like heroin are made from opium poppies, but what's ravaging this community is made in a laboratory. Over the past two years, fentanyl, a synthetic opioid that can be thousands of times stronger than heroin, has been flooding into places like here, Montgomery County, Ohio, where the overdose death rate has been skyrocketing. Through just May, overdose deaths in the county almost hit last year's total, and officials estimate this year's final number will double that. Some people say that Montgomery County is the epicenter of the opiate crisis in America now. Yeah. Yeah, per capita, we're number one in the nation on overdose deaths. We're on a pace to have 800 people die this year due to overdose in our county. Because when I think of if I'm a Mexican drug cartel and I want to bring my product into America, I'm going to the big cities. I'm not going to Montgomery County. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of strange why they picked us up, but I think mainly our location. You know, our job market's tanked. We lost all of our automotive industries. So our overdose age, the average age is between 40 and 49, and that's your primary workforce. And I think it's driven by a loss of a good job. You know, they're bringing in jobs here paying $13 an hour. Well, people can't make ends meet with $13 an hour. So people, you know, I think they're depressed. They're self-medicating, and they don't know what they're getting when they buy a gel cap that they think is full of heroin. Now we're having people overdose on fentanyl because it's so much stronger than heroin, you know. And then some of these people think they're buying heroin. Well, these dealers are mixing fentanyl in with it, or they're giving them straight fentanyl, and that's killing people. The first opioid of abuse was prescription pain pills, including OxyContin. But in response to media attention, access to pills was restricted. And in their place came heroin made from Mexican poppies, cheaper and more powerful. A couple of years ago, traffickers began mixing fentanyl into the heroin. Yep, that's him. I'm getting in the car. And fentanyl is by far the most fatal drug of abuse America has ever seen. So fatal that relatives of users are calling the police to try to keep them from overdosing. I saw him right here. He's just saying, right here. He's scooting right this way. This is just a warrant. One guy uh, who's a complainant told us uh, he was using heroin at the time and would like us to come and arrest him on the open warrants to keep him from overdosing. They thought he got away, and as we were leaving, we saw him run through the backyard again. Uh, and now everybody's on the hunt. All of this for a guy they suspect uh, of having needles on him. Problem is, he could be in any of these vacant houses. And that's the thing. This is a neighborhood filled with man at home. Yeah. So you live around here? Mm-hmm. You said you have a nickname for this street. Um, Morgue Avenue. Morgue Avenue. It's not Morgan, honey. It's Morgue. Which houses have people died in? What houses have not died in? Really? Really? Really. Look at all these places, man. I mean, it wasn't like this four years ago. That's when you moved in here? Uh-huh. Yep. I mean, I clean up the neighborhood, and I got to wear these big old thick gloves and stuff because all these needles and crap, you know? It's, it's unreal. As the death rate skyrockets, the bodies come to the Montgomery County coroner, Dr. Kent Harshbarger, who performs tests to detect over two dozen varieties of fentanyl. So this is what you call the cooler? This is our cooler, our main cooler. When did the, the bodies that are all around us come in here? Um, over the last probably 24 to 48 hours. And every, every day bodies are cycling through here? Correct. These, these trays will mostly be full by tonight. What's the percentage of, uh, of the bodies that are in here right now that are overdose deaths from heroin or fentanyl? We are averaging 60 to 70 percent of our cases now are overdoses. So 70 percent of the, the people that are in this room 
died probably of fentanyl. Correct. That's correct. If you could extrapolate from the numbers that you see here in Montgomery County, how many people across Ohio are going to be killed by fentanyl this year? For our system, we cover about a fifth of the state of Ohio, and we're estimating about 2,000 overdoses this year. If that continues, so that, that's about 10,000 for the state or more. 10,000 for the state? For the whole state. And that sounds, that sounds like a national number, 10,000 overdose deaths from fentanyl. Correct. Our last number last for 2016, Ohio was estimating 4,000 overdoses, and I believe we'll at least double that, if not two and a half times more this year, if this trend continues. I just saw a doctor walk out of the autopsy room towards the cooler and do this. Like, what is that about? All right, well, that's, that's probably his fourth case today. Fourth case of the day. Of the day, yeah. He's tired. Well, tired. When you think about the fact that there will be, by the end of the year, 12,000 people who have died from fentanyl in Ohio, how is that not uh, a mass casualty event? That is multiples of 9-11. Oh, it, it, it is a mass casualty event. And actually, with my friends in Cuyahoga County, we've actually been trying to put some pressure on the um, state officials to declare a health emergency. This, this is no different than some kind of mass casualty event in any other form. It's just a medical event. A medical emergency. I believe so. It, it needs to be recognized that way to bring some federal assets to help us. Coming up, the face of addiction. If, uh, if any of your, your family or your friends catches on TV, what, what do you want them to know? That I love them. I'm sorry. Hi, I'm Johnny Erickson Tata, and at Johnny and Friends, we are all about access. Yes, even to people with visual impairments. For years, Lisa did a remarkable job of translating our newsletters into Braille every month, and then sending them out to 60 friends on our ministry list who are blind. Lisa's was a quiet, unheralded, yet remarkable service in the kingdom of Christ. But unfortunately, she recently lost her battle against cancer, and now she is home with the Lord but I look forward to that day when I will stand next to her and hear the Savior say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Oh, what a joy it'll be to see her service richly rewarded and to see the, quote, eyes of the blind unopened of all those she served so diligently. God is a tender spot for people who serve in a quiet and an unheralded way. Need some ideas on how you can serve that way among the disabled? Then visit us at johnnyandfriends.org. To buy your home, you became a house-hunting ace, learned about loans, scoured neighborhoods, and asked the right questions. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Once the Montgomery County Sheriff's Office comes into contact with people who have overdosed from heroin or fentanyl, part of their job is following up neighborhoods like this. It's something normally a social service office would do, but there literally aren't enough people to help. Why are you knocking on people's doors after they overdose? Well, we're the heroin capital of the world, and... Hey, Nicholas. 
Okay, there's other neighbors out here. I tried to come over here. That's all the more reason. And you can't yell like that. I'll do whatever I please, right? Can I talk to you for a minute? We're just trying to give him some services. We know that he overdosed on heroin last week, and we're just trying to get him some help. We're not here to be mean to him. We're just trying to help him deal with his addiction so that he's not another statistic, so we don't come back here and have to take him away in a body bag. Another recent overdose victim was just around the block. Did you overdose, Christina? I didn't overdose. My mom did. I had to watch her, though. So I went to a little bit of the scene with her. I had to see her. And do you use also? Yeah, I use also. I'm trying to get the help myself. So, so your mom, who's in the car here, yeah. overdosed. And did she overdose in the house? She overdosed um, over here, actually, in the field, and we had to get her back and right, the ambulance. Right here across the street. Yeah, yeah. When was the last time that you used? Yesterday. Yesterday. Mm-hmm. And how many times a week would you say you're using? Well, you use every day when you're on heroin. You have to. Every day? Yeah. You seem very clear-headed about this. Yeah. How do you stay, how do you stay so focused on getting help? Just my kids. I have kids. I have five little ones that I don't want having to go through this. They're going through things because of what I'm going through. So. Five kids. Yep. Who are you in the family? I'm a great aunt. I have the two of the youngest kids that were born addicted. You're taking care of the babies? Yeah. And they were born addicted? Yeah. This is CJ. Hey, CJ. This is the one they said would never do anything. He was What's born up, 32 buddy? weeks, really addicted. Went through. At 32 weeks? Yeah, 32 weeks. So you're He's he- still in, in therapy, occupational therapy. You're a hero, bud. What'd you get, McDonald's? What do you have? Never give up. A toy? That's awesome. What do you have, a chicken nugget? And this is Cameron. He was born at 38 weeks addicted. Hi, Cameron. He's still having some issues. They haven't figured out yet. What's it like for you to see this family going through this? It hurts because Chrissy really wants to spend time with her kids, but you can't do that while, you know, they're still active. Drug abuse going on. You think there's drugs in the house now? No. You're saving these kids' lives, huh? Yeah. Just on a uh, on a personal level, you've been in this job a while. Um, what's it like for you to see your community going through what many people outside of this community call an epidemic? You know, I worked the road when we had the crack epidemic, which was very violent, but it wasn't to this extent where people were dying every day. So it's very sad where you see mothers dying, leaving their children behind. You know, our children's services, they have 250 children right now. They can't place with foster parents there's that much overloaded with the demand. It's not easy to get addicts into treatment, but the sheriff's department provides a form of detox in their jail. This is one of our female dorms where a lot of these inmates are going through detox right now. So we try to keep them all housed together so they can take care of each other, some peer-to-peer support, because the whole detox process is just very nasty and it's rough on them. And so... Most of the women in here are going through some kind of withdrawal right now. Yeah. Ladies, how are you? Hi there. What's your name? Kara. Kara? How did you find your way in here, Kara? I was coming here to get drugs. You traveled here to pick up the drugs. Why? Because what you pay for $5 here, you can sell for $20 where I live. So you were using and selling? Yeah. And the drugs stronger that are coming from here? Yeah. They are? Mm-hmm. Do you know anybody that's died? My dad. Your dad died? Mm-hmm. In January. In January. Sorry. Okay. How many people that you use know somebody that's died? Everybody has to, at least, probably, I bet. 
Everybody. I guarantee it. Everybody knows somebody that's died in here? Yeah. Yeah. Ten days ago. She got released from here, went out on the street, used, and passed away. The fentanyl's killing everybody. It's yeah. killing everybody. What are you doing in here? Um, actually, for traffic and possession. Traffic and possession of? Um, well, fentanyl, heroin. Fentanyl. Yeah, there's fentanyl, yeah. And were you using as well? Yes. How many years uh, have you been using? On and off, seven years, eight years. Seven eight I've years. I've been clean one year, and then two years I was clean, and went back a couple times. <laughs> and not, not no more, though. I'm done. Do you have a family? Yes. Kids? Yeah. A grandbaby, so I'm done. I'm, Your grandma? Yeah. Yes. They're too precious to be now, so I'm, no more. What's your name? Heather. Heather. How long have you been here? Just today. Just today. You just got here? Yep. Anybody ever tell you you look like Kristen Stewart? No. <laughs> what brought you in here? Um, coming from Indiana to here to get the drugs. And that's it. What were you using? Fentanyl. Fentanyl. Mm-hmm. And so if you just got in here, are you you going through withdrawal right now? Yep, pretty can, much so. Can you describe for me how you feel right now? Like crap. Like crap. <laughs> yeah, I have no energy to do anything. Hot. At the same time, I'm cold. Uncomfortable. My body hurts. Sounds like a pretty crappy feeling. Yeah. Have you felt this way before? Yeah, I've been through it before. Not fun. And what do you do when you feel this way? Take it out. It's usually when I'm in jail. <laughs> when you're in jail. Otherwise, you go use again. Yeah. How long have you been using for? Uh, four years, five years. Nonstop? Yeah. How old are you? 29. 29. Do you have a job? No. Do you want to stop? I don't know. You're not sure yet? Right now, no. Right now, you want to be using? Yeah. Do you know anybody that's died? Yes. My boyfriend and uh, my mom just died in January. I'm sorry. If uh, if any of your, your family or your friends catch this on TV, what, what do you want them to know? Traffic deaths. Much higher. So just about any category that you look at, 
There are more fentanyl deaths per capita than just about any other cause of death. I've never had one particular cause of death that reaches 70% of my workload. This is it's unbelievable. You overdose, all the other addicts go to that dealer because he's got the best product in the street. Even if the guy died? Yeah, even, that's what they're looking for. They're chasing the next best high. It's a strange, strange business model how you kill your, your clients. Your customers, yeah. Your customers, yeah. Fentanyl is so deadly, it's causing deaths at mass casualty levels. And taking it off the street is more critical than other drugs because any dose of fentanyl could be a fatal one. We're at the office of the Montgomery County Sheriff that deals with the trafficking of heroin and fentanyl that's coming into the United States from Mexico. They're about to brief on the search warrants that they're going to serve today. Most likely it'll be a car-to-car deal. Today, the task force is going after street-level dealers, hoping to find out who their suppliers are so they can track them down, too. This might, I think it might be my first time going on bulletproof vest. Well, you keep doing this, it won't be your last. Yeah. We'll get the chopper up and then we'll start following our target around. After we follow the target around, hopefully we get him pinned down enough to make an arrest. Oh, an undercover officer meets with the informant who's going to buy the fentanyl from the dealer. He gives the informant a wire so the task force can track him. Check, check, check. Uh, McCoy to all units, we are rolling. At the same time, the team's eyes in the sky keep watch on what's happening below. So Captain Brem and these other officers are inside this car right now listening to a live wire on a confidential informant. The buy is underway. What we're waiting for is the call to actually go in for the raid. The buy goes down in a McDonald's parking lot. Afterward, the undercover officers meet up with the informant to retrieve the drugs he bought from the dealer. Yep. You got a glove or something, dude? Uh, in the back. Once the informant's off the scene and the undercover officers have the fentanyl, the rest of the task force now moves in to try to arrest the dealer who's driving. That's him then, huh? Or passing. Or yeah, guy in the left. In that blue Kia. The dealer fakes out the task force by stopping at a green light. They lose track of him, and he doesn't get arrested until two days later. So they send the confidential informant out to buy from another dealer, no, no, there he is right there. who shows up at this deal on foot. That's going to be him. Just grab him. Just grab him. Let's just grab him. Here we go. This is the dope that he was going to sell. Now somebody's calling him right now. Yeah. It's been, it's been blowing up. So you think that could be another deal trying to go through? Good chance. And we don't know yet if that's heroin or fentanyl. Correct. But that could potentially be deadly? Oh, yeah. And the scary thing is you can absorb it through your skin. And that's why you wear these gloves? Yes. What are you going to do with this guy? Uh, right now we're going to hold him. He's given us some information that we're going to use later on and uh, possibly go get his supplier. So you're going to follow whatever he had back to the place he got it from? Yes. Uh, and you think that guy's an ounce-level dealer? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that's our ultimate goal is to, to climb the ladder and put as many guys in jail and as much drugs off the street that's killing people. That's our goal. Is that it right there? Yeah. That's what, we, that's what you guys got in the, uh, in the field? Mm-hmm. So uh, what, what is it? Fentanyl. It's fentanyl. 
China is the primary source of fentanyl in the United States, and most is shipped to Mexico and smuggled across the border by drug cartels. They pick Montgomery County because running through it are Interstates 70 and 75, what law enforcement calls the crossroads of America for drug trafficking. A couple hours later, they locate the mid-level dealer and pull him over. The guy just came out of the car. All right, so this is the guy. They got him right here. They busted him with about a half an ounce of heroin, fentanyl. We're not quite sure yet until they tested in the lab, but the idea is he's going to jail tonight, and we're about to go raid the house where we think that these drugs came from to see if there's any more drugs there. We're hoping after talking to him that there's several more ounces of fentanyl inside the house. Several more ounces? Yeah. So we're getting the search warrant signed now, and then we'll, we'll have the uh, entry team load up and go... It's over 12 hours after we first showed up in this building for our first briefing. We just had another briefing and are about to go on our third bus. We're all piling in this thing. Rapid deployment vehicle. There we go. This looks much more serious than what I've seen earlier today. How come? Uh, just the risk is a little more. Obviously, we're going into a house we don't know much about. Do you expect to find more here than we've seen throughout the course of the day? We're hoping so. 30 seconds. See any uh, any narcotics yet? There is narcotics. Yeah. Whoa. Yikes. Do you guys mind explaining to me why we gotta put these masks on? The short answer is, if you breathe it in, you can die. If you breathe it in, you can die. Oh yeah. You touch it, you you can absorb it through your skin and kill you. Just eyeballing that. What does that look like? How many ounces? Uh, Thirteen ounces. Yeah. Is there any way to calculate what this means in terms of lives? There's, there's approximately, a uh, rough estimate, 360 grams here. Uh, each cap contains a tenth of a gram. And when you talk about lives, people, what do you think? Well, a tenth of a gram could certainly kill you. Oh, yeah. Um, Less than a tenth of a gram could kill you. A couple of grains of that is enough to kill somebody. It's hard to wrap your head around. Yeah. Yeah. What's your reaction to seeing this right here? It's a good day. Good. Yeah, good day. Getting a lot of fentanyl off the street. Basically, you're seeing a lot of lives saved right there. After the break, the main drug smuggling route into the United States. Every single day, 50,000 vehicles, around 20,000 pedestrians, and untold loads of narcotics make their way to the other side. The Internet is a wonderful resource for kids. But in times like these, the Internet can also increase your child's risk of being a victim of crime. Instruct your child to never give out personal information, like their name, address, or school name without your approval. Teach them about frauds and scams that often appear as friendly emails or offers that are too good to be true. Place your computer where you can see what your child is doing. Use software that prevents access to inappropriate sites and chat rooms. Teach your child what to do if they come across such sites or receive solicitations from strangers. Learn how they're using the Internet 
and how much time they're spending on it. Let's keep our kids as safe in the cyber world as we try to do in the real one. Visit ncpc.org to learn more about how we can protect our children. That's ncpc.org. A message from the U.S. Department of Justice, National Crime Prevention Council, and the Ad Council. Okay, men, time to be an all-star caregiver. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Be there emotionally and physically. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find care guides at aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. To buy your home, you became a house-hunting ace. Learned about loans, scoured neighborhoods, and asked the right questions. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Where is all this fentanyl coming from? Generally, it comes to um, the, our southern border, which is Mexico, controlled by a cartel, and then up to the Dayton area. So the Mexican cartels are bringing fentanyl into the United States through the southern border, and it ends up in, in Dayton, Ohio. That's right. This is the San Ysidro Port of Entry. It is the busiest land border crossing in the entire world. Every single day, 50,000 vehicles, around 20,000 pedestrians, and untold loads of narcotics make their way to the other side. What's the biggest threat coming through these borders? It's everything. We're looking at everyone. We're looking at illegal narcotics, heroin, methamphetamine, cocaine, fentanyl, all entering the border. In the San Diego sector, which includes the San Ysidro port of entry, seizures of heroin have tripled since 2010. Last year alone, almost all of the 359 pounds of fentanyl seized at the Mexican border were taken here. And meth seizures have more than quadrupled. That's one of your agents that stands out here is specialized to look for suspicious activity? exactly. What he's looking right now is looking at the spare tire. The spare tire here potentially looks for any tampering, any kind of anomaly. Once he sees something, he'll then initiate contact with the driver. So literally physical conversation, how you doing? The DEA says most narcotics entering the U.S. are driven in, hidden in vehicles through what Mexico's drug cartels call plazas, metropolitan areas with legal border crossings. They're also all areas with a border wall. This gentleman was detained in a drug case as he was passing through the port of entry. Uh, Right now, he's obviously under arrest, and he's on his way to face justice. The next step was to search the car he was driving. So what we're looking at right now is this vehicle was pulled into secondary screening here at San Ysidro at the port of entry, and it got a positive hit from the canine, from the dog, and it appears that in the dash is some sort of narcotics that have been hidden in the vehicle. So now they can actually tear this car apart to see what's inside. They're tearing apart stuff in the engine area right now, and if you actually take a look inside here in the passenger seat where the dog got a hit for narcotics, they pulled out the glove compartment, but nothing yet. Looks like they found what they're looking for after cutting open the cowl right there, the upper part of the engine below the windshield. Uh, they started to pull out these bags of, I guess we don't know what they are yet, one, two, three, four, five of them so far, six, seven, eight, just keeps coming. I'm just looking at how many packages you have here. looks like three deep. He's cutting through these packages with, a, with just a knife. looks like he's getting 
a little sample of whatever the drug is on on the knife, and then what, what does he do? He puts it on some kind of scanner machine? He'll take a little sample out of the package. He'll put it on a testing equipment. The testing equipment will then give us a reading of potentially what that drug is. You know what you've got there? Yeah. What do you got? Methamphetamine. Methamphetamine. Is that a normal load? Yeah, so for us, hard narcotics are trending, particular heroin and methamphetamine. The packages are getting a little bit smaller for us. The number of them have increased, obviously, because the packaging is smaller in order to put them in deeper concealment in the vehicle. What happens then with meth that I, I've personally seen surging across the border? Yeah, they're flooding us with meth also. They have super labs in Mexico making meth, and um, we're getting about 10 kilos of meth per one kilo of heroin. So they're trying to change the market, and I don't know if it's because they're killing our customers with fentanyl, but they are flooding us with meth all, all of a sudden. Is this all you're going to get today? I would say if I were a betting person, no, this wouldn't be all that we get today. So I would say we could get up to another five, six loads today, and that wouldn't be abnormal for us. Why, if you're a cartel, do you want to send drugs like this through a legal port of entry where you could cross with your passport? On a yearly basis, we're going to deal with 75 million travelers coming across the border. Drug smugglers feel there are opportunities to mix in with the general population who are vastly compliant with what the laws are. So, translation, they think they can sneak it by you. Right. Next, the people who make fentanyl. I am interested in getting fentanyl sent to us in the United States. Send letters, email, and visit your home. They're not friends or family. They're con artists, scammers, and criminals. In times like these, it's important to learn how to protect yourself. Credit card schemes, bogus investment opportunities, and free vacation scams are just a few ways that today's criminals target you and your family. Protect yourself. Never give anyone your social security number, credit card, or bank account information unless you initiated the call. Stay informed of current scams by contacting your Attorney General's Office and Better Business Bureau. If you're a victim, reporting the con to the local authorities will prevent others from suffering the same fate. To learn more about how to keep your family safe from con artists and scams, visit ncpc.org. That's ncpc.org. A message from the U.S. Department of Justice, National Crime Prevention Council, and the Ad Council. To buy your home, you became a house-hunting ace, learned about loans, scoured neighborhoods, and asked the right questions. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Everybody that's died in this county, you're storing their blood samples for a year? Correct. So when you talk about a mass casualty event, this is one of the best ways to see how many people have died. Correct. Actually, we've had, we have to have new, we've purchased more storage because there's so many blood samples now we have to store. Whoa. So <clears throat> these cases here are actually our current working cases. So these are just active cases? These are active cases. And right. every vial represents somebody who's died? Correct. When you look at this, you're desensitized, and it looks like you're in a science laboratory, but they represent freaking it's human beings. 
in every one of these cases is somebody's loved one has passed away, and 70% of these are overdoses. Of those 70%, over 90% of these cases have fentanyl. Smoke it, um, inhale the powder, or inject it. Sure, yeah. Figuring out what causes an overdose death in Montgomery County requires lots of forensic work. That's because the coroner's office has identified over two dozen types of fentanyl killing Ohio citizens. But where these varieties are being manufactured is not a mystery. They can order it from China, and they'll mail it to your house. So you're telling me people actually are sitting at home in Dayton, and they're going on their computer, and people are, are just getting mailed packages of fentanyl? Yeah. Yeah, typically they mail them to a vacant house, which we have plenty of, but they can, they can mail order it from China. Back at my desk at the NBC News Los Angeles Bureau, we decided to put that to the test. The main supplier of fentanyl is China, and while Chinese officials tell us that they've been cracking down, it still seems like it's relatively easy to get here in the United States. Uh, this is Mitch. This is Arnie, the two producers I've been working with on this story, and we're, we're just going to try. Uh, so uh, what do we do? Where do we, where do we go? Why don't we uh, use Google? Okay, so uh, Google what? Buy fentanyl. Buy fentanyl. Okay, here it is. Well, the first. Okay, so the first thing that pops up at the top is buy them furin fentanyl online from Ching Labs. This is interesting. Here, what does it say? Fentanyl has been growing in usage in the United States within the last decade. It's a highly potent opioid that's been linked to thousands of deaths. Overdose from fentanyl is problematic, especially when it's included as an adulterant in street heroin in order to increase potency. So they're they're basically acknowledging what we saw on the street. Right. Basically saying, we sell stuff that kills you. Do you want some? Do you want some? Okay, so my name, we've come up with a fake name. Say Richard Stevens. I am interested in getting fentanyl sent to us in the United States. I live in California. Um, is that something you can help us with? Think that works? That works. Thanks. Richard. Submit. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about what's on this website. Okay. Chinese laboratories. So Chinese laboratories are largely responsible for the upsurge and availability of illicit fentanyl in the United States in recent years. This was addressed recently by the Chinese government who introduced a ban on export of fentanyl. In a move typical of these clandestine labs, a modified version was then marketed to be sold. So they acknowledge that they yes. know exactly what this stuff is doing. Right. Basically, it's not just going to Mexico and then being smuggled across the border. You could go on this website and ship it here directly. Yep. I got an email. And then, just a few minutes later, whoa, the email already came through. Hello, we have a very potent fentanyl analog, very similar in potency to the original. We ship to USA. We only accept Bitcoin as payment method. Warm regards. Wow. Yeah, four minutes ago it came through. We sent the email, what, 10 minutes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What time is it in China right now? So it's 3.30 uh, in the morning. 3.30 in the morning in China right now. Is it possible to get it to me without it being taken by U.S. Customs? Okay, they, um, here we go. They emailed back again. How long is that? Three minutes. We provide a reship guarantee. Also, we ship using ingenious packaging. My name is Sarah. Nice meeting you, Mr. Richard. Smiley face. Warm regards. That is customer service. Wow. Okay, so next question. Well, I hate to end it like this, but we our time is up, and we're, we're running out of time. We thank you all for listening. Uh, thank you all so much for listening to 
this edition of Nation Talk. Nation, this has been Nation Talk, a public affairs and news program that, that airs Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Be sure to join us next Sunday for another Nation Talk here on Talk Show and Jam Radio. Remember the views and opinions of Nature Talk are not necessarily the views of Talk Show, Jam Radio Productions, and the sponsors. Have a wonderful week. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.